Yeah, you know, I was talking the other day about how when I tried to read Robert Jordan Wheel of Time, when I tried to read the Wheel of Time books, one of the issues I had with it was just these freaking dream sequences. There'd be these entire chapters of just Rand had a dream where he saw the bad guy and this and that. And I've become so averse to dreams in fiction. Not that I don't think anybody should be allowed to do them. Not that they they can't be occasionally interesting. But I've become so averse to them over the years. And it's not just books. It's also movies and TV. And it doesn't ruin something for me. You know, it doesn't completely ruin a story for me, but it's something I have to endure. It's something I have to deal with, that I have to get through, and it never adds value to me. I mean, a good example is The Sopranos is, you know, pretty much my favorite show of all time. But Tony's dreams were the worst part of it. And sometimes it would be fine, like there'd be he'd have an occasional dream that's like, oh, he's getting a blowjob from his mistress, and then she looks up, and it's his psychiatrist. Oh, my God, isn't that fucking interesting? Oh, my God, that's so interesting. But whatever, it's like a 10-second clip or something. But they got into that thing where he was in a coma, and, he, and he's having these long, extended coma dreams. And it's, you know, what gets me about dream sequences in books or in movies or TV is it's like an excuse to insert the worst possible aspects of storytelling. Like, that's where they insert all their symbols. You know, and and it's, and it's, you know, and it's a, they depart from the story, which is already enough of a dream because it's fiction. So you're adding, it's like a dream within a dream where nothing matters. And it's already hard enough to care about fiction as it is. You know, fiction, I'm not, I'm not somebody who can just get into any and all fiction. So it's like you're already caring about someone else's dream by reading fiction or watching a movie or TV show. So it's like now you're being told you have to care about this dream within the dream. And you can always tell right away if it's a dream. Like when I'm reading a book and it's an entire chapter about a dream sequence, even if it doesn't introduce it that way, even if it starts out where it just starts talking about the character do something, there's something about the tone where you know right away. Like I can read one sentence from a dream chapter and even if they're going to surprise us at the end of the chapter and be like, it was actually a dream. I know right away. I can just tell there's a tonal shift right away at the start of the chapter. Same thing with a movie, TV show. Like on The Sopranos, when it would have a dream sequence, even if it wasn't immediately surreal, I would know. There's just something like where it gets telegraphed. Like you know right away that it's a dream. And, and dream sequences, they remind me a lot of artist statements. Where, you know, one of the worst aspects of art is artist statements. They're explanations. They're not just a description of the work. It's an artist explaining themselves. And it's, it's almost always like airheaded dishonesty. And uh, dream sequences are kind of like that too, where it's like they make everything too obvious. It's like, oh, here's some symbolism. It's like if symbolism is going to be effective, it should just be naturally worked into the story. But a dream sequence is an excuse to be like, look at right here. 
he saw a rat crawl underneath the door and it had a key in its mouth. Foreshadowing much? You know, <laughs> it's like it's this excuse to insert symbolism and foreshadowing things that you can work organically into a story. And I'm not a writer, but I pay attention to shit I'm reading. And, you know, you can work this stuff into a story naturally, but a dream sequence is an excuse to just throw it all in your face. But, you know, I, I also recognize that I'm just, I've become monstrously biased about this. But to me, it's like the blues music or something. Like, you know, I was just saying how when you're reading a book or watching a movie and you can tell it's going to be a dream sequence and your stomach clenches up and you're like, I'm going to have to endure this thing. It's kind of like when you hear blues music at this point. Like when I hear blues music, I'm just like, oh God. But it's also, there's an audience for that. There's a certain sort of person who's like, I love blues music. Even though it's like nth generation derivative doing the same fucking thing. But like when you hear those blues notes, you know exactly what the vocals are going to be like. Got a big nose. I smell lots of things. Do, 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 do. Lots of smells go up my nose. I got a big nose, don't you see? You know, it's like crap like that. Like, but all you have to do is hear that first note. It's like, do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I don't be no host. You crap, man. It's unbearable. But there's a certain sort of person who wants that blues experience. They want, they want, it's not even about like the content. It's just like, oh man, I, I like the, they like the idea of it. They like the idea of like seeing a live blues band. And that takes nothing away from the people who did that first. You know, it takes nothing away from the artists who actually created the blues. I think that would have been incredible to be one of the first people to ever hear somebody do that. It probably would have been great. I'm not saying it's the idea itself is awful, but I feel like when people get into the blues today and like they go see a live blues band who's doing that, what I just did there, I'm not going to subject you to it again. Yeah, right. I got a big nose. You know, but uh, apologies. But uh you know, it's like they like the idea of seeing a blues band. But you can tell, like, like as, you know, I'm, I'm, this isn't about the blues. <laughs> I got to remember what I'm talking about. Uh, but, like, when, you, when, you, when I hear that, like, when I hear those opening blues notes, I'm like, oh, fuck. I can't, like, the idea of this isn't attractive enough for me to endure it. There's nothing interesting that's going to come out of this musically. It's derivative. It's obvious. I mean, the other night, I, I was having to listen to this George Harrison and Friends record. I was just testing it out. It used to be my sister's. And it, it's that one that's like for some, I mean, it has like a starving African kid. I think it's for some cause. I think it was some sort of uh, benefit concert or something they did back in the day. And it's got uh, George Harrison, Bob Dylan, and Robbie Shankar. Robbie Shanker? You talking about Robbie, Robbie Shanker? But it was fine. Like, I, again, I'm not a Beatles fan at all. I don't hate the Beatles or anything, but I'm not a Beatles fan. But the George Harrison stuff, like, I, there were moments where I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, I don't, I don't love it, but that's pretty cool. 
the Ravi Shankar stuff was actually not bad. Like I was like, this is interesting. You know, I'm not gonna, I can't talk shit on this. And then they got to the Bob Dylan stuff, and it was just so fucking unbearable. Because he was doing exactly what I'm talking about, where he was doing this jive talk. And he was playing these songs that were like blues and stuff like that. And I'm just like, this is so fucking unbearable. Like, you have to like the idea of this. And I'm not saying Bob Dylan sucks. Obviously, a lot of people like Bob Dylan. Obviously, there's an audience for this. But my point is that I'm so biased against that. I'm so biased against that experience, that idea, that I shouldn't even be consulted. Nobody is consulting me. But, like, I can't even give an honest opinion on somebody doing that, like doing jive talk and, like, these little fun blues songs. I just I can't even – I shouldn't even be allowed in the room because I'm biased. I recognize that. I'm so biased I shouldn't even be allowed to say anything about it at all. That's how I am about dream sequences, too, because the second that I'm reading something and I recognize and like I said, it's like the blues where within a couple notes, you know, you're reading a dream chapter. And immediately my mind closes. Same thing with the TV show. The second I know that it's a, a dream sequence, my mind closes, it shuts off. And... Uh, that's, that's unfortunate because, I mean, there's an audience for that. Obviously, there are people who like to read that stuff. I see them analyze it. I remember back in the day, people analyzing Tony Soprano's dreams. You talk to other Sopranos fans and they'd be like, what do you think it meant when he had this in his dream when he showed the guy the book at the urinal? It's like, what about the story? We're already watching a dream. We're already watching a fictional show. We're already living through that. Who the fuck cares why he showed the guy a book at a urinal? Just waste your time. And I mean, there's a reason why everybody's upset when a story ends with, and then they woke up because it was all a dream. People don't like it when the entire story is trivialized as, oh, it was all just a dream. Why is that? How is that any different from just a chapter of a book being that way? Because that's how I feel when I'm reading just a single chapter and it's a dream. I feel the same way that everybody seems to feel when they end a series with, and then they woke up because it was all just a dream. It was all just a dream. Do, 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 do. They woke up from the dream. Do, 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 do. You know, it's fucking stupid. But uh, why does everybody get upset when that happens? at the end of a story when you find out the entire thing was a dream. But they don't feel that way when it's a chapter. I don't know. Maybe I'm just more sensitive. I'm very sensitive about this. I have a, a stronger bias. But I do feel that way. I feel that way about just a single chapter that wastes time on a dream. And it's funny, too, because I was talking about this with Robert Jordan the other day. And then the next day, my friend who's a writer... Uh, and I, you know, I love his writing. I respect him a lot. He's been working on a novel for the last year, year and a half, maybe longer. And he sends me just a couple chapters here and there. And sure enough, you know, just right on time, one of the chapters was a dream chapter. And it sucked because I love his writing and I'm not talking any shit about him. But I could tell right away 
like I could hear those notes in the same way that you know, once you hear those blues notes, you know you're about to hear the blues. At the start of the chapter, I just knew, even though there was nothing that said this is a dream, I just knew within a few sentences, oh, this is a dream. There's something about the tone that changes. Like when somebody writes a dream chapter or a dream scene, you just kind of know that that's what, what it is. It just feels different. I don't know what that is. But it sucked because I'm like, this is my friend and I, I want to, I don't want my bias to prevent me from enjoying this chapter. But I, I, I've been so corrupted by this dream bias that unfortunately I just have to endure this. And it's not an indictment of his writing. It's not an indictment of him. It's as if your friend said like, hey, I wrote a song and it's in a genre you don't like. It's not that you think they suck at it. It's not that you think they shouldn't do it. But you realize it's for an entirely different audience and you can't give meaningful feedback on that. (laughs) But it was just funny because I'm like, oh yeah, this is a dream. And I'm not the audience for this because there must be an audience for it. Obviously, there are people who like to read about dreams. They like to read about characters and stories having dreams. They like to analyze those dreams. I'm just not that kind of person. And I recognize, too, that I'm this way in real life. Uh, Like Joe, listener of the show, friend of mine, Joe was talking to me about dreams. And I said to her, I was like, I consent to you talking about your dreams with me. (laughs) And I was joking, but the idea is that, yeah, some people have to give sexual consent. That's a big thing. Like, oh, do you consent? I have to consent to you telling me about your dreams. And if I find you interesting, I will listen to you talk about your dreams, and, and I will find them interesting too. There are certain people in my life where they're allowed, I've consented to them sharing their dreams with me because you know what dreams are freaking fascinating dreams are fascinating you know i'm not going to say carl jung and sigmund freud are idiots oh do do these guys they're freaking idiots they think that dreams mean something no of course they there's a lot i mean as i've said before if i needed one single event dream event that told me something crazy is going on in dreams i've shared this story before but along with other interesting things happening in dreams, there was a time where I had a dream where in the dream I learned that these two people were brother and sister. The woman was a friend of my boss. The guy was a friend of an old friend of mine. These two people had never crossed paths in my head or in person. These are two people, and I didn't think about these people a lot. Like the guy was somebody that I, I used to see out and about and I'd say hi to him, but he was, he was very much an acquaintance. He was a friend of a friend and I hadn't even seen him for a long time. And then the woman, she was just a friend of my boss who I somehow became aware of. And in the dream, it was communicated to me that those two people were brother and sister. These, these aren't people I ever thought about. I never thought about them. And I woke up from the dream and I was like, that was really strange that the dream told me those two people were brother and sister. And I, I was like, I need to find out if that's true. And I found out it was true. And I was like, that's fucking weird. How did that, like my brain calculated that. 
Somehow my brain got that information. You know, I assume other people have had similar experiences. They'll have a dream about something that ends up being true or they learn something through it. But I still, I have to give my consent. If you're going to talk to me, like, because I mean, the worst thing in the world is like a coworker or, or just some random acquaintance being like, this happened in my dream and it was this. Because it ends up being a long involved story that's only relevant to them. And so I'm just not a fan of that. So like I said to my friend, I was like, I consent. Just so you know, I consent. You can, you can talk to me about your dreams because I've given my consent. And that's true for any of my friends. You know, it's true for a lot, you know, anybody I care about. Like I, I'm willing to listen to your dreams and even I, I will find them interesting. I mean, I still think about this dream Miles told me about where in the dream he was on the phone with his parents and he just kept saying the word blood to them. And they were like, you need to come home. Like, you know, you're on drugs. You need to come home. And he just kept saying blood. I laugh. It made me laugh. <laughs> so I, I, I will find real dreams interesting, but I have to care about you to care about your dreams, basically. And in fiction, it's hard for me to care about a character's dreams. And then there's the fact that dream sequences are so overwrought. But I also recognize I'm just so freaking biased to where even my friend who I love, like I care about his writing, but it's like I, I, I still had to be like, okay, I have to take a deep breath before I read this. Not because the quality was poor, not because there was any issue with the writing or that it, it wasn't relevant to the story. It's just simply like I've reached that point where it's like, once you have a bias against something, it doesn't matter what it is. You're just, you know, it's almost become a belief system for me. You know, and there's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of things like that where you've just kind of, uh, you've developed this resistance to it. And over time, that resistance has just gotten thicker and thicker. Like it would take so much for me to appreciate a dream storyline. Especially because it can be summed up in a paragraph. Like if a character in a story is having a dream, you can just say, like, she awoke from a dream. In the dream, she saw her husband standing at the edge of a cliff, and, 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 a cliff, and the, the wind was, you know, sweeping his hair. And there was something in the sky that she couldn't quite make out. It had a twinkle to it, but it wasn't a star. As it got closer, she saw that it was a a blues guitarist floating through the air, playing the blues to everybody. I don't know, stupid. She saw that it was a it was Stevie Ray Vaughan with angel wings, playing a hot blues lick on the guitar. And everybody was happy. World peace was established because all the world needs is a famous blues guitarist with angel wings floating through the air. Playing that swampy blues lick for the entire universe. No, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, expo you know, it's kind of like a, a busker or something where, you know, a busker is exposing everybody to their music. That's kind of how I feel when I read a dream sequence. It's like, uh, or when someone talks about their dream. When someone just, when you, when you don't give your consent to hearing someone else's dream and they just start telling you about it, it's kind of like a busker. 
It's kind of like someone who just starts playing music out in public. Like, I'm doing you a favor. Everybody loves music, right? Well, guess what? There's nothing people love more than music. There's nothing people hate more than music. And when you force somebody to hear your music, you don't know which side that's going to fall on. Because there's probably a stronger chance they're going to hate it. It's like humor. Where it's like, humor is something where when people love it, they love it. It makes them laugh. Even if it just makes them smile, they love it. But if somebody makes a joke that isn't funny to you, you feel personally insulted. You feel like it grates against your soul. And you don't just go, oh, that's not funny and move on. You go, that's not fucking funny. Oh, he thinks he's so funny. That's fucking stupid. Oh, my God. He thinks he's funny. Dude, he's not funny. Music is the same way. It's like these things that bring out an involuntary reaction in us. You know, music is one of those where if we love it, we love it. It's this sensation. But if we hate it, it's also a sensation where we freaking hate it and it's irrational. There's no rational reason to feel that way about something that isn't even intended for you. It's like listening to those Bob Dylan songs the other night. It's like I don't have any problem with somebody liking Bob Dylan. I don't think Bob Dylan should be executed. I do. I, I do. Want, I want him to be executed. Now, I don't think Bob Dylan should be executed. I don't think his fans should be mocked. I just was listening to it, and I was like, I am not the audience for this. But there was something in me when I heard it that was completely irrational, that did feel hatred. And it's the same thing with comedy. Like when somebody simply isn't funny to us, it's very easy to go from, you know, from zero to hatred. You go from zero to full-on hatred because you're, you're insulted. There's something insulting about that. When something brings out this involuntary love, you know, it also brings out this involuntary hate. And you feel personally insulted, even though you have no business feeling that way. You feel like it's somehow personally insulting you. Music's that way. Comedy's that way. Movies are less that way. For whatever reason, movies and TV are less that way. Or if it sucks, you either just stop watching it or you even find the humor in it. You know, people, for whatever reason are way more into, like, bad movies. Oh, it's so bad, it's good. To the point where that's even become... Like, a lot of film buffs are just that. They're just people who like bad stuff because they've been able to contextualize it or have this detached appreciation for stupid shit. You know, that's that's so much stuff. And people do that a little bit with music. Not that often, though. You know, not that many people are into music that's so bad it's good. Yeah, there are people like that. But with movies, it has a huge, that's a huge part of the audience as far as people who are kind of into, who are really into film. A huge part of the audience is people who like stuff that's so bad it's good. A lot of horror movie fans and horror movie fans, they must make up like what, like 80% of film buffs at this point? Seems like everybody's a horror movie fan. And that's another thing that's not for me. You know, horror movies are not for me. Every single friend I've ever had loves horror movies. I just don't get into them. 
But I recognize I'm not the audience. I'm not going to say horror movies suck. You shouldn't be into those. I just recognize I'm not the audience. I'm also not the audience for dreams. I'm not the audience for dreams. Imagine a world. Stupid shit. I don't even know what I'm going for there. But some people love that shit. Girls like dreams. Girls love dreams. Let me tell you. They like dreamy, like in, I, I mean, in like fiction, like girls like, like dreamy, they like dreamy music. They like dreamy scenario. They like dreamy scenes in movies. They love that. They like this sort of ethereal, like everything is just sort of misty and bright and flowing. And they like that in their music. They like that in their visuals. Girls also like art where that's just like a woman sleeping. My girlfriend years ago had this, I don't even know who the artist was, probably some famous artist, but it was just like a, an illustration of a woman sleeping, and it was very old. You know, I'd say it was from at least a century ago. Just a woman sleeping. And there's so much art of that. There's so many, there's so many, like, there's so much art of, like, just a woman in bed sleeping. And who does that appeal to? Women, women love that. They love to have that art on their wall. And uh, I feel like dreams in general, like I feel like overall, like the people who dream sequences appeal to are largely women too. I mean, I'm, I'm, (laughs) this is a gross generalization, but in my experience, like that seems to be like when I've been watching a movie with a girl, I find that like she'll get into the dream sequences. Whereas like I'm sitting there like biting my fist I'm like, oh, no, I can tell this is a dream. Whereas like a girlfriend who's a smart person or, you know, a friend who's a smart person, these aren't idiots, will be like, oh, in the dream, this happened because of this. And I'm just like, I can't talk to you about this. But I feel like there is something feminine about dreams in general. Like there's something feminine about dreamy visuals, dreamy music. There's a lot of depictions of women dreaming, like sleeping, and you can tell they're dreaming. They're like laying in a big, comfortable bed. I mean, women always want you to be in bed, not sexually. I mean, I mean they just like to lay in bed all day. And they, and they want you to be in bed with them, which to me, that's my nightmare. Because like once I'm done sleeping, I have to get out of bed. I have to get out of bed if I'm done sleeping. I only like to be in bed if I'm reading or sleeping. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to doze off or sleep in and that kind of thing, but you're still like in and out of consciousness. To, for me to be conscious in bed is a nightmare. You're either sick, you know, even if I'm depressed, I don't lay in bed. Women under any circumstance, they really love, like their bed means something to them. They love lots of pillows and I'm, I'm getting into like old timey stand-up comedy, but it's true. Women love like lots of big pillows. The way their bed looks is very important to them. I mean, I've been using the same blankets and, you know, uh, sheets for years and years and years. And I like it. Like I like the way my bed looks. It's not offensive to me. It's not, the colors aren't gross. But it really makes no difference to me. 
But it's like the presentation of someone's bed is very important to a lot of women. Every woman I've ever known is very bed-focused. And they want to spend a lot of time with you in bed. Again, not sexually, just... And, and not even, like, cuddling or anything. Because that would make sense. Like, you know, oh, we can cuddle and watch a movie. It's also just... Uh, like, they're fine with just, like, laying side by side in bed, like, watching something that way. And I'm just, I, I don't even feel comfortable doing that. I don't even feel comfortable just laying there watching something. I mean, I realize I'm a freak. But it's almost like, I don't know, I, I knew this guy whose girlfriend wouldn't let him leave bed, I found out. Like in the morning, like if he got up and left the bed, she would make this big deal about him abandoning her. And I was just like, that's, that, if you needed a red flag, that is it. Like she's not even comfortable with you leaving the bed in the morning. But I've even noticed like, not quite to that extreme degree, but just, I've noticed that same sort of pull where it's like, I've felt that before. Like getting out of bed in the morning, I felt, I've definitely felt like a girlfriend doesn't like it that I can't just lay in bed all day or that I don't want to lay in bed for longer than necessary. Like, you're welcome to stay in bed, but I know that I'll want to blow my head off with a shotgun if I spend more than an hour in bed after being awake. These people also will eat in bed. I don't, I don't need to get into that, but... Never been into that myself. Like, I guess I don't, I just don't see, unless you're reading, which is a good way to kind of close out the night, I just don't see the appeal of doing anything in bed. Um, but women like dream stuff, you know, they, they like uh, dreamy aesthetics, and I recognize that's just something that appeals to the feminine senses, I guess. It's why, like, it, it, you know, you can talk to a girl about uh, the Cocteau Twins. It's why they like shoegaze music. They like that sort of vibe. They like that vibe that, oh, like, this is like a, like a soundtrack to a dream. And I like the Cocteau Twins. I like that stuff. I'm just saying, though, it, it appeals to the feminine senses. I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is. Obviously, it's not exclusively feminine, but there does seem to be something about what we consider like this ethereal, dreamlike, you know, this, this ethereal, dreamlike aesthetic appeals to women in particular. And they also like to see themselves depicted. Like, I can tell you, like, I don't, like, like if, if there's like a drawing of a man sleeping, hey, Batty, come on. If there's like a drawing of a man sleeping, that is no appeal to me as a man. Like, I don't look at a picture of Rip Van Winkle and think, like, I want that on my wall. Oh, man, I would love to have that on my wall. Just Rip Van Winkle. But, but women see, like, a depiction of a, wo a beautiful woman sleeping, and they identify with it and, like, want that on their wall. I literally used to sleep in a bed that had that above the wall. And I've seen it many times. 
Like you even see it online where like women will choose like cover photos on social media and things like that of a woman sleeping. Obviously, male artists like to depict that. I mean, Sleeping Beauty is a freaking story. Where's where is there a story about a man? I guess Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> I was about to go like, is there is there a male equivalent to Sleeping Beauty? Rip Van Winkle. But Rip Van Winkle's not based, it's not a story about him sleeping. He sleeps, but the story is about him waking up and experiencing the world again. Whereas Sleeping Beauty kind of revolves around her being asleep. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching. <laughs> I'm reaching here. But the, the, the fact, I gotta, I'm going to end this, but uh, the fact is I'm very biased. And I recognize that. And I also recognize there's an audience for this stuff. There are people who like to hear about dreams. They like to analyze dreams. They like to see dreams depicted in fiction. They like to write about dreams. That's just not me. And so I recognize that I'm not the audience for that. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.